There's a certain energy in the Real Talk studio today. I don't know what's going on. It's positive. I can tell you that much. I think we're going to have some fun today. Hoyles is telling me I don't even have to wait the half hour. You might think I'd have to wait before getting into a Bobby Margarita. Bobby Margarita himself will be joining us in about a half hour from now. The original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie beauty above all beauty so he'll be joining us in about a half an hour we'll talk about uh, his new venture bobby margarita plus obviously we'll talk about the national hockey league pulling out of the beijing olympic games we'll be talking about the nhl postponing its schedule till after the holidays and of course the world junior hockey championship uh which i mean bob's been the the guy at the wjc's and evaluating young uh, talent around the world the up-and-comers the up-and-coming superstars uh that'll soon grace the sheet that is the national hockey league that's coming up in a half hour great show between now and then as well but first let me remind you that this show is presented by the team at bitcoin well i think that this is now the time where where even those of you that say i'm not the type to panic you're maybe feeling a little bit of panic if you haven't figured out what you're going to be stuffing stockings with or putting under the tree why not get somebody their first foot in the door when it comes to cryptocurrency, in particular Bitcoin, you look and you say Bitcoin's like sixty grand or something like that. I don't have, to say, and you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can give someone twenty-five bucks worth of Bitcoin, or fifty bucks worth of Bitcoin, or buy somebody a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin, and watch them watch it grow or fall. It's just a fun gift idea to get somebody into the mix, and the team at Bitcoin Well can help you out. Check them out online at BitcoinWell.com. Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, we'll call it five from now. Sapria Devetti and Jana Pruden, uh, two of, uh, quite honestly, my favorite media personalities in the country. Jana, of course, with the Globe and Mail, an award-winning feature writer. And Sapria Devetti, who's been on the show many times, a political analyst, former radio host, and a member of our Real Talk editorial board. Before we go anywhere, I have to show this video. We call, I mean, here's what people are buzzing about today. If you didn't see this, I tweeted it out. It was originally shared by a reporter for City News by the name of Laura Krause. Laura does a great job. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we'll describe this for you. This happened on a North Edmonton Street. This happened in our city yesterday. Uh, let's roll it, Sam. This is absolutely wild to see. This is a grader, like basically a snowplow, a grader pushing a car. What has to be at least 100, maybe 150 meters, spins the car around the woman, the driver falls out of the door and appears to have you can kind of hear her screams actually it's a little bit blood curdling but you can she appears to have her arms stuck underneath the vehicle uh edmonton police confirming that she was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries now can we roll that one more time sam just to take a look at here we're not going to speculate here on what happened or what the story is i've seen all kinds of people on social media making different claims about this was an incident of road rage i highly doubt that to be honest with you some people said well they had heard that the the, the greater driver was on his phone i don't know that sounds to me to be a little bit unrealistic and other people are suggesting i talked to a couple heavy equipment operators yesterday one in particular works for a big company he's run graders before himself uh he says there's no way the grader operator would have even known she was there he said the size of these machines the noise the blind spot the fact that if the blade was down there would have been resistance on the road anyway the blade doesn't appear to be all the way down by the way but for context there people are still trying to figure out what's going on we obviously wish the driver of the car uh a full recovery 
You know, people are saying, what was she like her, as her door opens, the car gets whipped around and she she falls out uh, and then gets pinned. It, it appears that her arm is caught under the, the car. I can't confirm that for sure, but that's what it appears to be. People are saying, well, why would you get out of the car? I'm sitting there thinking she is in a moment of sheer panic. Like out of nowhere, who knows? Maybe she's listening to Bing Crosby sing the Christmas hits. And then the next thing you know, she's being pushed. Her whole car is being pushed by a, a mighty machine. And, uh, You're and just and like, what am I supposed to what do? What am I supposed I, like, to do? Do I stay here? Do I get out? Like, I'm going to be crushed. I'm yeah. like, what? I, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this driver must have really pissed this grater. And then I was, then I watched it again and I was like, oh no, they don't even know that I that car is there. I don't think the grater there. even knew the car was there. And then, and then as it sort of appears as though it's hitting kind of a, like an on or like a merge lane and so it's kind of starting to turn and that's when the car whips around and i think that's must be when it caught the greater operator's eye so we don't know the details of it's just a remarkable video and somebody i can say uh quite honestly cheated death in that circumstance especially falling out of the car as the oh my goodness absolutely wild stuff on the international front sarah there's been a development here this will be of interest to absolutely anybody on planet earth uh the fda the u.s food and drug administration has authorized the first pill this is one from pfizer known as paxlovid uh the first pill for covid19 what's the dish so it's not a vaccine let's put it that way straight out of the gates what it is is if someone gets sick and they are experiencing symptoms then they can take this and it nips it in the bud it basically helps prevent hospitalization and really you know severe illness canada will not be getting it before the new year and, you know, people are talking that that means it's not going to mitigate the worst effects of, you know, the Omicron. Uh, so this is not wave. a but this is not a get ahead of covid pill. This is if you are diagnosed with covid and you're susceptible to what they think might be serious illness, Correct. you know, pre-existing conditions, things like that. Then this is the pill that might be for you. Yeah, it's not vaccine in a pill. It is helping you to get what might be a really bad case of COVID under control. Yeah, you had an interesting point as we were kind of chewing the fat on this. <laughs> no, but I think it's irrelevant. I mean, it's a, I, I, I wouldn't rule anything out at this point, mm. but you had a really interesting point. It's actually one that I might not have might not have thought of. Well, as soon as I thought, I, I saw it, I thought, oh, does that mean that people are going to be like, well, now I don't need to get vaccinated because right. I can take, I can just pop this pill, no big deal, and then I'm healthy again. But then I was also like, well, but if they're not getting vaccinated... They'll probably just stick with their ivermectin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So uh, you can let us know what you think about that in the live chat. We'll be keeping an eye on our hashtag as well. Real talk RJ. I love this photo from our friends at Park Power. You know that they're, of course, powering our hashtag each and every morning. Uh, this photo is of Chris Kozowski. This is the founding uh, what does he call himself? CEO, president? He's the big cheese is what he is at Park Power with his signature bow tie holding up that big solar panel. And you know what I love about this the most is it, it kind of uh, actually ties in to another sponsor of ours who we'll be talking about a little bit later on in the show. Of course, I'm referencing Kubi Energy, but I love this one from Park Power. Give them a follow on Instagram. They say, you know, join our solar club. Uh, we'll reward you for your contribution to Alberta's renewable energy with some of the best solar power buyback rates in the province. How cool is that? So when you think of Park Power, I know you think of internet, electricity, natural gas, but if you've got solar installed in your home or you're considering it, reach out to Park Power on their website or via the sponsors tab on ours, ryanjesperson.com, for more information. We're really proud to be featuring Kendall Jackson as our Real Talk Wine of the Month. This is a obviously a fabulous uh, vintner. Everybody knows Kendall Jackson in the United States. It's one of the more prominent 
houses, if I can say. Look at this Kendall Jackson winery featured at KJ.com. In the entire United States, certainly on the West Coast of the United States, we love their commitment to sustainability. And that's why we've been proud to promote them this month, including the fact that they're using the largest solar generator in the wine industry period plus their process uses one-third less water than industry standard those are two of the reasons why they've been named green company of the year by the drinks business for 2020 it's a big deal you're probably going to be picking up some wine for the holidays of the next couple of weeks keep an eye out at your favorite store for kendall jackson it's on flyer down at co-op in calgary if that's where you're tuning in from and our friends at the edmonton symphony orchestra want to remind you that holidays at the windspear are now on sale online at windspearcenter.com they've got some great events going on through the holidays including Hollywood for the holidays, all Hollywood film music. We're talking like Disney and the big blockbuster, Star Wars, Harry Potter, performed by a full orchestra in the acoustically perfect Windspear Center Concert Hall. There's more too. Frozen, Beauty and the Beast, The Sound of Music, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Star Wars. I love it. Windspearcenter.com. You know, youth tickets start at 15 bucks to go see the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. 15 bucks to get your kids out to the symphony. I love it. What a cool holiday idea. Our next two guests are ones, quite frankly, I read everything they write. It's true. I respect both of them for what they've done in their careers. Also, just for their perspectives. They've got instincts, the way that they see the world. So when we decided to put out a year-in review call, these were the first two calls that we made. And I'm thrilled that both have agreed to take us through the year that was 2021. Jenna Pruden is an award-winning feature writer at The Globe and Mail, a former crime bureau chief of the Edmonton Journal. She previously was at the Regina Leader Post, the Medicine Hat News, also a sessional journalism instructor at McEwen University. Supriya Devetti is senior counsel at Enterprise Canada, former AM radio host in Toronto, the visiting researcher at Ryerson University, a regular panelist on CBC's Power and Politics, and of course, a member of our Real Talk editorial board. It's great to see both of you. Jana, this is your Real Talk debut, which means that we have never seen your Zoom background before. Most people hear this on the podcast, but I have to say, that's one of the coolest Zoom backgrounds I've ever seen. Was this something that was specifically curated in 2021? Yeah, you know, actually last year, um, around this time, I was finishing teaching a course at McEwen. And I always, when I do something extra outside of my day-to-day work, I decide to like put some of the money to buy something extra. So it was a very dark time last year, if we remember, maybe we're getting some uh, hints of it again this year. And so I decided to buy myself a neon sign that said stories will save us, which is something I really believe. And uh, yeah, I bought it as a present for myself from a local neon manufacturer. And I have been enjoying it ever since. I love it. Stories will save us. Uh, We've asked the two of you to reflect back on the year that was and and get into some of the stories that really resonated with you, the ones that made an impact on you. Uh, Jana, one in particular, I want to talk about one that you wrote about an Edmonton member of parliament that just absolutely knocked my socks off. I I sent you a message a couple of weeks ago. I read it three or four times already. Um, Sapria, I know that obviously, you know, as, as a political commentator, a lot of the big stories of 2021 will probably revolve around politics. But if you look back on the year that was, what would you say was the biggest story of 2021 on your radar? I mean, aside from 2021 being a bit of a dumpster fire, Mm -hmm. I would say that it would have to be the pandemic, right? I mean, Jenna's absolutely right. This time last year, I would argue was a lot darker just for the sole fact that like 
vaccines were still this thing that were somewhat, you know, abstract to a lot of Canadians. And, you know, we do have vaccinations. We're getting those third doses or boosters out into arms as, as quickly as, as possible. We have therapeutics, as you and Sarah, you know, we're talking about, um, including some of these, you know, newly approved therapeutics that are all cause for, for optimism. But it's like, fucking groundhogs day man we keep making the same friggin mistakes over and over again this virus is airborne um and we're just not treating it as such and until we do i i would i fear we're just gonna make the same mistakes again over and over and over again uh, jana take us back to july 1st you're on assignment at the second biggest mall in the world what's going on what was going through your head that day this was essentially the kickoff the launch of alberta's best summer ever a lot of restrictions lifted on that day july 1st yeah so and if people remember i mean we were really the first in the entire country to go back to that level of openness so i pitched to my editors you know we're open for summer there's been this big announcement um it's a very official sort of mission accomplished kind of opening. So I'd love to do a story in Edmonton or in Alberta. That's sort of the, what it's like the first day of the new return to the old world or something, whatever it was. And so when I thought about how are we going to do that? Of course, West Edmonton mall seemed like the perfect place to go. And so I headed to the mall and it was, I mean, I actually went at midnight um, the day before. So I was there at the moment they were lifted. There was one restaurant open at uh, Hudson's. And so I, I was there that night. And then I went back the next morning as people were, you know, tentatively taking off their masks and walking around a little bit. And, um, you know, the, it was a very surreal day and a very surreal experience. And um, all I kept thinking about, I had recently watched the movie Jaws. And there's a scene where the mayor is like, we have to be open for, um, you know, July 4th and it's totally safe. And uh, that story begins at the water park for a reason, because I was uh, watching people, you know, paddle around with their masks and sort of enjoying this idea of the way things used to be. But it seemed a little bit too good to be true. And in fact, we now know that it was. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, it, it's really, quite frankly, from a political standpoint, um, and obviously both of you can chime in on this, but Supreme, I'm sure that you were paying attention to it. It's, it's the one thing uh, that Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney has acknowledged was a, a misstep or a mistake on his part, was the best summer ever. He, he talked about in a, an interview with Rick Bell uh, just a couple of days ago. I'm not sure if you saw the bat soup Wuhan comment that the yeah. Premier made, which is unbelievable. We can chime in on that if you'd like. But, but that was the one thing he said, best summer ever. He said he acknowledged he was overly enthusiastic about that. Yeah, look, I mean, I think part of what went so wrong in Alberta wasn't just the preemptive lifting of restrictions or some of these public health measures, right? It was like the chutzpah that went all around it. And I, I think when you have uh, members, high-ranking members of the premier's staff basically accusing folks of fear-mongering and not listening to public health experts and doctors on the ground who are like, uh, hello, we're going to be inundated with a bunch of cases and we're already stretched rather thin. And you have the premier, you know, putting out merch for and swag for like best summer ever. Like, obviously, that was going to come back to bite him in the butt. And I think what, what gets me about all this is that you don't even really have to be much of an expert to just understand how exponents work. This is stuff that we learn in middle school for crying out loud. And yet we're still sort of ignoring this. And yeah, I mean, I, I, re I read that um, the, the year end and I don't understand why he had to have that little 
you know, a racist dig in there about bat soup. And it just, it behooves me that the guy who was like in charge of making inroads under the Harper government um, for, you know, these, some of these uh, communities that are either racialized or what have you is now making like comments like this and sees no issue with it. Yeah. Uh, Jen, I noticed a sort of a physical reaction from you when I mentioned that I'm sure you saw the quote or saw the article. What do you, what do you make of the premier's communication style around this? Well, you know, I didn't see it because I've been in a real like research role. <laughs> I have a big feature um, that I've turned around quite quickly that's dropping on Sunday. So even like yesterday, I didn't, you know, look at any social media, anything till the end of the day. I was just incredibly focused. My um, editor called me in the evening to discuss something and uh, she was like, oh, it's, you know, it's wild out there. today. It's a really dark day. And that was when I looked at Twitter, I saw, of course, you know, it was like a, a good, a banner day for doom scrolling. And oh. um, I completely, so I logged in for a minute and then I was back to editing. So I've missed everything. Here's so the, the here's the clip. So he's talking to Rick Bell and he says, quote, who knows what the next variant that gets thrown up is? I don't know. And what's the next bat soup thing out of Wuhan? I don't know. I've learned from bitter experience not to make predictions about this. So that's the quote from Alberta's premier, Jason okay. Kenny. I thought it was a pretty that's the kind of thing that you expect to hear from. I don't want to disparage any profession. I was, I was going to say the guy that comes by to whatever or the person that's, like, that's like an anonymous troll. comment. It's like an anonymous troll not- comment or it's like the one guy sitting at the bar that kind of makes the comment and the rest of the bar kind of like a couple of people kind of nervously laugh and a couple of people roll their eyes and someone gets up and walks out. It's kind of that guy at the bar. It's that kind of comments as far as I'm concerned. Why don't we talk about the federal election? Um, We'll talk big picture about the implications. uh, But first, Jana, you wrote a feature on the second NDP member of parliament elected in the province of Alberta. You got uh, Heather McPherson in Edmonton, Strathcona. And then Blake Desjardins comes in and and knocks off Carrie Diot, who had made quick work out of the previous NDP challenger in the riding of Edmonton Griesbaugh. I thought I knew Blake Desjardins. And then I read your feature. What a hu- I don't care about your partisan politics. What a human being. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not I'm not a hardcore political person. I'm sort of like a responsible citizen level of engagement. <laughs> I'm not a you know hardcore political watcher. Um, but you know, so I hadn't been fully engaged with all aspects of the election. Um, on election night, I was just like. Oh, holy crap, look what's, look what's happening over there. And um, I read a tiny bit about him, and he just seemed like such an interesting person. And again, I, I don't typically write political profiles, um, but I pitched this profile. And I truly think, I really encourage people to read this piece, not just because I wrote it, but because he is a really fascinating person. Um, you know, one of our meetings got delayed because he was out uh, walking through his district, um, you know, passing out like care things to people, you know, working at, I don't know, food or, or supplies. Um, you know, he's a real humanitarian. He's a really fascinating person. Um, and he is someone, you know, if he can survive in the blood sport of Ottawa, um, I feel like the sky's the limit. I left that meeting thinking, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if this man is prime minister one day and, um, you know, in terms of surviving that system, given everything he's been through, that he can come to this point and be so passionate and driven and non-cynical and humanitarian and up for the fight. Um, he is really a very impressive person. I think a very 
principled person and the kind of, you know, sometimes we hear people grousing about politics and saying, you know, I just want a politician who's like a real person who does what he says. And boy, that's definitely how Blake Desjardins impressed me. And, and I, I should note, I don't live in that area. Um, so it's, it has nothing to do with, um, you know, yeah, I don't live in that district. Well, the beauty of it, and, and Jana, again, I'm not going to sit here and gush about how much I appreciate your writing, but I, I, I save that for private messages to you. But you write like nobody else does. The beauty of the feature is that it's not necessarily a political feature. And, 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 you're t- and I promise not to spoil the column because people have to read it. People have to read the feature. I won't wreck it. But I will say it's one that you go, he was late because he was doing stuff for the community or handing things out. And people go, yeah, yeah. I've seen politicians do that before. They show up, they flip pancakes for five minutes. They hand out a couple food hampers. Donald Trump throws a few rolls of paper towel to people and then they're on their way. It's the story of his mother. It's the story of his sister. It's the story of why he originally left Alberta. It's the story of why he came back. It's the story of why he ran and what his sister or what his family was telling him while he was running and after he won. And I mean, it's I'm getting chills right now. So it's a it's an incredible feature. Um, Supriya zooming way out. The story of the election was that the liberals wanted a majority government. They had to try to convince Canadians that the time was right for an election. The conservatives appeared to be pissed off that they were being called to an election. And ultimately, the result was essentially the same. Another minority government for the Trudeau liberals. As you look back on 2021, what jumps out at you about that federal election? I mean, I think the inability uh, at the start of the campaign for the liberals to really put the case as to a why it's called the election and b why they were supposed to be you know uh the ones that folks should vote for and i know there are a few things that happened that were beyond um you know their control clearly the uh, takeover uh in afghanistan from the taliban was something that i i don't think very many people expected is particularly the speed at which it happened right and so that's all well and that's fine i suppose it, it being a, it, an, an external thing that you can't really control but in terms of messaging i mean i just found it very interesting that they couldn't actually um make the case that you know climate change was on the ballot child care was on the ballot um you, you know pandemic management in terms of what the federal government can and can't do was on the ballot and i think they got there eventually but given that you know we are now again in this situation where we have cases uh, steadily climbing up across the country. And we're all sort of worried and and hoping that uh, hospitalizations and ICUs eventually decouple from from those cases. And there is some reason for cautious optimism from data from other jurisdictions about Omicron being slightly less virulent. It all still, it seems like a huge wasted opportunity to me that we didn't actually really talk about healthcare in the middle of a pandemic in an election. And the only time we talked about healthcare was when we talked about it in the context of this clip that Krista Freeland had posted to her Twitter account um, where you know she clipped um, O'Toole, uh, a chunk of him saying something about privatized healthcare. And then we never got into the substance or the meat of it. And what was even sillier about all this is that everything O'Toole said in that clip um, was very, you know, non-controversial yeah, things uh, for a conservative to say. Mr. Freeland kind of got burned on that one, actually, when Twitter essentially suspended the tweet or flagged it for, for misinformation, for inaccurate information. I would say it's safe to say that blew that one blew up in her face for sure. 
Yeah, totally. And I mean, like, you know, here we are and we don't we didn't have a debate around healthcare. and we're in the middle of pandemic. Yeah. So it's just very, very silly. Uh, if if the pandemic uh, and I don't think the federal election was the story of 2021, if the pandemic wasn't, it certainly was Canada's history of residential schools, the discovery or rediscovery or the reminder about thousands of unmarked graves on the, the sites of former residential schools across the country. Uh, Jan, obviously, we could approach a conversation about this from a million different directions uh, as a journalist, as a feature writer, as, as as someone who thinks deeply about things like this, issues that matter, how have you been processing this? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that the issue is even like more broadly expanded to really, you know, indigenous rights and treaty rights when we're thinking about some of the um, protests that have been ongoing, the land defenders, the issues around that to me is part of this one um, big story. And you know, in a general sense, I feel like we're at a time right now where um, everything is coming up, you know, all the old wounds, all the old secrets, everything is coming out and it's very, very painful. Um, but I think in the end, it's really positive. And I personally have seen um, and I hope that it's changing the minds of a lot of people. You know, it wouldn't surprise me uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, the average Canadian, uh, white Canadian, if you ask them, you know, what, what happened at residential schools that they would not be able to tell you. And suddenly there's been this real awakening and it is a painful awakening. But some people I know that you would sort of describe as like good old rednecks maybe who wouldn't have been, you know, fully up on social issues in the past um, are really connecting with some of these issues. And a lot of my friends who are Indigenous, you know, I think are being um, having a moment to speak more, to have more platform, to be listened to, actually, to be actually listened to. And those are huge transformative moments in this country. Um, so even though it has been so painful, I feel like we could be entering and I hope we are entering a new phase in terms of um, the treatment of Indigenous people, listening to Indigenous people, the rights of Indigenous people, and covering that story as I did quite a bit. Um, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me was how meaningful it was to many people that they were finally believed. And that is a really huge moment to me in this in this country and in our history. And that's probably the thing that will stand out to me the most this year. Sapri, obviously, as Jan has just alluded to, this is an ongoing journey for this country, for the people in this country, uh, regardless of how they might identify uh, with regards to their connection to this country. When you look back on 2021 in this context, what will you remember about it? I think what you said in terms of us being reminded of the horrors and the atrocities that went on at residential schools is a really you know, accurate way to frame it, because it's almost as though we constantly need Indigenous people to show us their pain and suffering and to have it in splashed over headlines and to have these, you know, very re-traumatizing interviews from members of the community in order for Canadians writ large to believe them. And I'm putting that in air quotes because clearly this has all been documented before. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's like we're just revisiting this over and over again. I mean, I share a lot of that cautious optimism. What I worry about is, you 
you know, the speed in which progress occurs, it's clearly going too slow. And when we're talking about, you know, some of the larger issues, if you want to zoom out, I mean, there's so many systemic injustices that Canada continues to, you know, perpetrate against Indigenous peoples. And I just, you know, don't want Canadians to lose sight of that. And I worry that there ends up being um, a little bit of, oh, well, okay, wasn't that last year's issue? You know what I mean? Because like there is a sense of fatigue about this and like we, we can't be fatigued over this because it's still happening. These injustices continue to occur, whether we're talking about, you know, the overrepresentation of Indigenous people in the prison system, not having access to potable water or the abhorrent and appalling, you know, treatment that Indigenous people receive in, in the healthcare system. Like all of these still exist. And they're not some like, you know, relics of, of our Canadian past and, you know, wrongs need to be righted. And this is a wrong that is yet to be righted and that we, we need to write. Yeah, well said. I mean, we referenced Idle No More through the years, another movement that saw a lot of attention and some traction in Canada. And then and if you look, you know, I hate to describe it as sort of petering out over time. But that's kind of what happened. If people go back to their everyday lives. The news cycle is quick. People are busy. Not that the issues do not demand our attention. Or demand our respect or our investment. That is what happens. I know that there are millions of Canadians that would feel the way that both of you do about this and about the country making an ongoing commitment uh, to making this right. Uh, we're going to run up against the clock. We've got so much to talk about here. I, I mean, how do you ignore climate change? How do you ignore the issues around the environment? How do you ignore Lytton, British Columbia, seeing record high temperatures, flirting with 50 degrees Celsius, and then essentially being wiped off the map by wildfires? What about the, you know, the Coquihalla Highway just knocked out the entire entire highway infrastructure knocked out by mudslides and floods. I, I mean, Jana, you know, we've talked to some people that have different perspectives on what this means with regards to what Canada spends on infrastructure, how we approach climate change related or environmental legislation, etc. What angle do you approach or, or when you look back on 2021 in the context of environmental stories, what really resonates or sticks with you? I mean, I guess maybe even if I'm a cynical old journalist, there's some part of me that's optimistic that, um, you know, similar to the residential school issue that I, I hope that maybe this is something people cannot ignore anymore. Um, that when you see whole communities burning down, when you feel, I mean, the temperature in our house, we don't have air conditioning. The temperature in our house got up to 35 degrees at one point, And even our basement was oh, getting smoking hot. So um, you know, at a certain point, that starts to hit home for people, and I hope it starts to hit home for people. And then we, you know, press politicians to change uh, legislation and to make changes that are actually significant. So that is my hope with both of those issues, that um, things being so bad can be a turning point and can make people understand how serious the situation is and push for change. Um, and I think it's hard for me to allow myself to to look at the pessimistic view of that because mm. that's a pretty dark place. And I'm a crime reporter, so if I say if it's a dark place, <laughs> it is definitely a dark place you've been to dark places you've written about them before that's for sure so and, and Sapri, i i really like the idea of what Jana puts out there as like a turning point um uh, whether it was the mudslides whether it was the the record temperatures uh maybe it was cop 26 the, the climate change conference in glasgow uh in the context of climate and the environment 2021 what will you remember i think i'll remember i mean all of the horrific pictures that and you know dystopian like images that came out of some of these climate 
crises, you know, we're talking about British Columbia, but really there are many parts of the world um, that saw really terrible, you know, extreme weather events that were caused by climate change. And it's like, you know, if not now, when, like, if we're not going to act now as a country um, in terms of putting forward actual solutions, reinforcing our infrastructure so that it's resilient in the face of, you know, what is now going to be an unfortunate new normal, then like, when the fuck are we going to do it? And I mean, I, I think it took us way too long to get here. We shouldn't have had to have nearly, you know, 600 people die in a heat dome uh, in British Columbia or have these sort of catastrophic uh, flooding conditions for us to sort of wake up. But, you know, it, hopefully that that does inspire change. I mean, I don't know if your <laughs> listeners and viewers probably get a sense that I'm a little bit less optimistic than <laughs> is, but hopefully I can uh, I can inject some of that optimism into my into my veins going into 2022. Well, that's OK. And that's a good exercise. It's good to find that balance. Right. Uh, I think everyone here would agree on that. Um, I want to put uh, I mean, Sarah's done an amazing job looking back on some of the so-called biggest or most noteworthy stories of 2021. And, and I'm going to go through the rest on our list here and ask each of you to comment on one or two quickly as, as we thank you for your time and wish you a happy holiday season. Uh, who will forget the protests at Ferry Creek uh, located near Port Renfrew, British Columbia, a coastal town on the southern tip of Vancouver Island. The demonstrations have been ongoing since August 2020, uh, described as one of the largest acts of civil disobedience in Canadian history. Uh, the plight of the old growth forest, so to speak, and a lot of factors to that. We've covered that from a number of different angles. Um, the absolutely abhorrent, horrific, uh, hate-motivated attack Attack that claimed five members of the Afzal family that were out for an evening walk back on June 6th when they were run over by a truck in what police say was a hate motivated attack. Uh, daughter Yumna, age 15, mother Madiha, 44, grandmother Talat, 74, father Salman, 46, all died. Their son Fayez, nine years of age, survived. What about Canada's Olympic entry, the Summer Olympic entry? Uh, this is uh, obviously a huge moment for Canadian sport when the women's soccer team claimed the gold medal on August 6th at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, that's Julia Grasso, who's celebrating with her teammates after scoring the winning penalty shot in a shootout against the Swedes. Of course, Canada's relationship with China, the two Michaels uh, released after, uh, I, I mean, more than a thousand days uh, detained by the Chinese Michael Spavor, Michael Kovrig, what was considered to be a retaliatory act after Meng Wanzhou, a Huawei executive arrested, detained in Vancouver at the Americans request. Uh, the two Michaels returned home to Canadian soil on September 25th. And then, of course, the billionaire space race. We saw Elon Musk's SpaceX, Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin and Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic uh, boasting about a future filled with exoplanetary tourism. The heads of these private companies making good on their myriad of promises, successfully launching all three of them in 2021. Supriya, of those stories, you want to comment on one or two as we wrap? I mean, I would no disrespect to our Olympic athletes or to Miss Grosso with that goal, but I didn't even fucking remember that that was this year. So much has happened um, that it totally escaped me. So, I mean, thank you for, for the reminder. I there suppose. you go. It's why these segments are important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jana. Um, well, I don't, I definitely, I would talk about any of them other than the space bros, because I really like, I'm cringing even seeing those images and that's not something I want to use my breath for. I mean, I think in a general sense, when you just, you see all of this stuff that happened this year and it was so chaotic and so dramatic and so dystopian 
at moments. You know, you imagine if a few years ago you saw pictures of BC and everyone wearing masks and all of that, it would be so terrifying, this future that we're living in. And I I have thought often about in 2016, I was sent to the States to help uh, work on the election where Donald Trump was elected. And when I was back in Edmonton, I was taking a cab home and talking to the cab driver about it. And he said, you know, we're entering a time in the world where everybody is showing who they really are. And I've thought about that so many times in the years since. And in this year where we have been pushed and challenged and terrified (laughs) in so many different ways, um, I do cling to that people are showing who they really are and that some people are showing how brave they are, how courageous they are, how healthcare workers, you know, what they are doing every single day, how people will go and help people after these devastating incidents, how people will help each other. And, um, you know, I guess, again, that's the crime reporter in me. If I focus too much on, you know, um, the bad things, it's impossible to proceed with it. But to think about how many people have put themselves on the line, whether it's just wearing a mask, whether it's staying home, whether it's working on the front lines to help other people really, I think is, um, it's a profoundly beautiful thing that's easy to miss with all of the other crap and like dystopian hellscape. So, um, that's my story of the year is like, you know what? A lot of people are really good and really brave and really generous and really want to help each other. And we realize Like, literally, we are connected to every other person on the planet. Like, we literally are now. We can see that, you know. One person gets sick a far way away, and they can come into our home. And um, that's a lesson that I take from this year and from last year, and um, I hope maybe some other people do as well. Jenna, we need to hang out more. I need some (laughs) of that optimism to rub off on me, man. (laughs) Because that was beautiful. There you go, and then and then Sapria can remind you that sometimes things are just completely fucked. So there, so there you go. Um, two of my absolute favorites could not appreciate uh, the two of you any more than I already do. This feels like an early Christmas gift having you both on the show. Jana Pruden from the Globe and Mail. Read that Blake Desjardins piece if you've not already. And of course, one of our favorites, our go-to, Sapria Devetti. Happy holidays to you both, and thanks for doing this. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks. Thank you so much. We'll hang out soon, too, as well. There you go. We'll make it happen. (laughs) All right. Thanks to the two of them. Uh, I love those two. Great stuff. Uh, We're going to get to the original hockey insider. They call him Bobby Margarita, Bob McKenzie, in just a second. I want to remind you, if you're headed out of town for the holidays, if you're going to be flying out of Edmonton's International Airport, or or even if you're saying, I'm going to wait. You know, I mean, we're not traveling for another three or six or nine months. You can book your parking at Jet Set Parking right now for travel until the end of 2022. Like, you've still got 53 weeks to go. 53 weeks where you can advance book your parking for $5 a day. I bounce in my chair when I say it. $5 a day. That's less than a latte if you use the promo code REALTALK at JetSetParking.com. The promo code REALTALK for travel by the end of 2022. Pre-booked at JetSetParking.com. Hey, due to wild popularity, our friends at Freeze brothers want you to know that those all you can eat the, the christmas feasts they've ended for the season don't be showing up this weekend looking for that okay and
and the pickup Christmas dinner boxes are sold out in South Edmonton's Rabbit Hill store and in Stony Plain. But here's good news. You can still pick them up in Fort Saskatchewan. The Fort Saskatchewan Friesen Brothers store, by the way, you go there, you pick up your dinner box. Maybe you, you drove 15, 20 minutes to get out there. You sit down, you have a slice of pizza, you have a cold craft beer. It's worth the trip. Trust me. You can find out more details and order yours at Friesen.com. And we mentioned them earlier in the show, our friends at Kubi Energy. Of course, they're providing solar energy solutions to power your life. If you go with Kubi, you get solar on your house. Why not sign up over at Park Power as well and, and find out more about their buyback program? It could make even more sense financially when you go with Kubi Energy at KubiEnergy.ca. Uh, Bob McKenzie, in just a second, of course, this is a Thursday tradition on the show. You know this on behalf of our friends at Prairie Catering. We keep an eye on what's happening in the world around us. We take note and then we offer somebody an opportunity to eat your words. Presented by Prairie Catering. And in today's edition, I'd like to just roll tape on a call-in segment. This is a brief exchange on a show I'd never heard of before, but I fell in love with the host immediately. Here's an expert excerpt from a recent edition, a recent episode of the Tom Hartman program. Let's roll it. Hey, hey Tom. Uh, I was listening to you for the last hour or so. Um, I heard survival of the fittest. Um, you know, some of us choose not to vaccinate because we work very hard about staying fit, eating healthy, and our natural immune system. So, Nicholas, tight. if you're so healthy, would you have unprotected sex with somebody who has syphilis or gonorrhea? You're missing the point. No, I'm not missing the point. They're contagious diseases. Would you have unprotected sex with somebody who has syphilis and gonorrhea and not worry about it because you're so healthy? No, I wouldn't do that. Okay, then why would you expose yourself to covid without having some protection because the c- protection is my natural immunity no it's not tell that yes. tell that yes. tell that to 800,000 dead americans nicholas this is this is a stupid conversation and i'm not going to continue it Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tom Hartman program. I am a new fan, and that is how you invite somebody to eat your words. Presented by Prairie Catering, a reminder, no matter what your holiday plan looks like, Prairie Catering is happy to be a part of it. From a small virtual gathering all the way up to something in-house, you want to skip the work? Check out what they're doing and place your order at prairiecatering.ca. Plus, their brand new restaurant at the Art Gallery of Alberta, May, stunningly beautiful. They're accepting New Year's Eve reservations, two seatings at 5 and 8 p.m. Requires a $50 deposit. You can book their table. Again, get in touch with them, prairiecatering.ca. Well, this next guy is the hockey insider. If you follow hockey anywhere in the world, you know Bob McKenzie. More than 40 years experience covering the sport. He's the original insider providing analysis for the NHL on TSN, as well as for the IIHF World Junior Hockey Championships, the NHL Draft, the NHL Trade Deadline, Free Agency, and of course, multiple Olympic Winter Games. Plus, he's known to his friends as Bobby Margarita, the man behind a brand new beverage that people are absolutely loving. Joining us live, it's Bob McKenzie making his Real Talk debut. It's good to see your face, pal. Thanks for doing this. 
Thanks very much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this more like in the Eastern time zone and, and let people. It's it's now eleven sixteen, and so I feel like it's appropriate to get into a margarita. Plus, lime is kind of like fruit sure. juice, breakfast drink. Exactly, it's healthy. Yeah, the, the Bobby Margarita, really the Bobby Margarita brand. Uh, want to thank you for shipping a few of these our way here. This, this is uh, really taking off. How this this was like a nickname for you. This turned into a product. How did this come about? Yeah, we had a persona, a name before we had a brand before we had a product, so to speak. Never really intended to um, to ever have a ready-to-drink cocktail uh, with my name on it. But, um, you know, we kind of leaned into the fun of the, the whole Bobby Margarita persona, which is something I did for a lark five years ago when um, we were I was on vacation and threw it on social media and changed my name from Bob McKenzie to Bobby Margarita. People kind of got a kick out of it. I got a kick out of it. I've leaned into it since then. And then last March, just serendipity occurred. My, me and my son um, made contact with somebody on something that was totally unrelated. And that person worked for the Ace Beverage Company that does Cottage Springs and Ace Hill and all the, the great ready-to-drink cocktails that are so big, certainly in Ontario, but all across Canada. And here we are nine months later, and we've got a, a Bobby Margarita ready-to-drink cocktail that launched in Alberta yeah. in December, of all places, <laughs> yeah. which is a testament to a number of things, which you would know all too well. Yeah. Number one, the it's easier to get in the Alberta liquor market than any other province in Canada. Yeah, uh, There's not as much uh, oversight, if you want to call not it a lot that, of red from the tape. government. Not a lot of red tape, um, and that's number one. And number two... You wouldn't think in most provinces, if you were to say, hmm, what's the biggest month for sales of ready to drink cocktails in Ontario or BC or anywhere else? They would basically tell you, well, it's going to be June or July or August when the weather's hot and sticky. You know, that's the time to have a ready to drink cold cocktail. But in Alberta, I'm told as a, a newfound booze mogul, um, December is the biggest month for ready to drink cocktails in Alberta. So, you know what I say to that? Mm. God bless Alberta. God bless Alberta, pal. We're all about free trade and pre-mixed, ready-mixed cocktails in the month of December. Um, I can say it's it, it, it's a great uh, it's a great shotgunner. It's a great hot tub uh, accompaniment. So, so there you have it. And I will also say, having released the Jespo Pisco Sour with Sea Change earlier this year. It's a hell of a thing, isn't it? Walking into a party with your pals and handing them a couple of cold cans of your beverage yeah, is, is pretty I, special. I, I, I jokingly said that I never realized, you know, 40 plus years in the media, when you're in the media, especially the older school back in when I started late 70s, early 80s, the 80s and 90s, um, you know, media people, they lived a hard lifestyle. There was a lot of time spent in bars. And I didn't realize that all that time misbehaving through the 80s and 90s was actually just research and development. So Yeah, if you if only you could go back and write it all off, Bob. Just think I, 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 I want to go back and calculate all that money spent. <laughs> yeah, think of the money you would have saved. A, yeah, see no, if there's a Revenue Canada exemption for uh, all that money spent, which is really just an investment in my future as a booze mogul yeah no kidding uh the announcement i think a lot of people probably saw it coming the nhl officially 
withdrawing from the Beijing Olympic Games. I know that it's uh, a huge disappointment for probably all of the players, most especially those that, that probably this would be their last Olympic Games. And you know, Steven Stamkos really wants to get there. Sidney Crosby wants to get there. I know even the younger guys, Connor McDavid's chomping at the bit. Everybody wanted to see Kale McCarr in the Olympic Games. Uh, it was this one that you went, yeah, tell me something we didn't know two weeks ago, or were you surprised a little bit? Not really surprised at all. I mean, this this whole Omicron thing has escalated so damn quickly, um, you know, and we're, we're right back in the soup, so to speak. Um, and it is different. And I know there's been, you know, now the debates are, well, and Steve Eiserman voiced these as, as well as some of the people who are in the National Football League and National Basketball Association and basically saying, well, if, if, the, if the athletes aren't that sick with it, and they're vaccinated, then why, why postpone games? Why, why, why even test them? And I guess the short answer to that is, um, for now anyways, is, uh, well, if the hospital systems are on the verge of collapse. And, I, and again, people say, well, you know, the ICUs aren't overrun. Others people say the ICUs are overrun. I never have the answer. I'm not smart enough to have the, the true answer. And I think it varies probably from province to province, city to city, country to country. Um, but we're kind of feeling our way on this on this one even more so than than with the Delta variant that, you know, we had to lock down and, and whatever. And, and now, you know, even the epidemiologists, some of them are saying, well, you know, the NFL model might not be a bad way to go. I, I listened to an epidemiologist on Hockey Night in Canada last Saturday, and he said it's premature to abandon testing on those athletes. Um, but that might ultimately be where we're headed um, because the Omicron might not be as serious as the other variant was. And and yet he said it's premature. So whatever the case may be, the Olympics are a non-starter. We kind of figured that. And and this is, as I said, rapidly, rapidly escalated here in the last few weeks, um, a lot quicker than I think anybody even anticipated it would. It's obviously so cool to to see, you know, I mean, you know, you look back through recent history, at least since 2002, and and there, there are these kind of iconic uh, moments like like everyone, you know, Mario Lemieux and his two cops. And then you, you see him with that Canadian flag and it was like a whole different thing. Or just the other day, I was looking at the 2014 gold medal photo. And I'll be honest, I forgot that P.K. Subban was on that team. And I was like, oh, yeah, the guy never hoisted the cup, but he's got an Olympic gold medal. Theo Fleury found like not vindication, maybe, but maybe his heart was at peace peace a little bit his personal life in turmoil and as the story goes correct me if i'm wrong bob if anybody would know you would know but i had, I had heard that gretzky had really wanted theo on that team uh in 02 in salt lake city to be a part of that gold medal win uh whether that's true or not you know i think of, of Aggie. Yeah, i get, think that's true you know and and, and aggy the pass to sid the golden goal aggy never got his cup but he's got you know gold and uh, in your mind you know some people have suggested there should be a world cup of hockey instead of competing at the olympic games some people have suggested the world junior tournament should be the international tournament at the Olympics every fourth year. What, what do you see bigger picture? Like if you're the NHL commissioner, uh, what role do you see the NHL having longer term in the Olympic Games? Do you think it's a good fit? Well, the NHL doesn't like to do it. The owners don't like to do it. They don't like to shut down their business for almost three weeks in the middle of the season. It derails momentum. The players really, really, really love it and want to do it. So as long as the players want to do it, then it's part of the equation. And, and we would have been doing it this time around, if not for, for COVID. Simple as that. Um, that's, that's the only reason that that's not happening. And so it should happen in 2026 or whenever they have the next Olympic Games. 
Um, you know, the NHL has been trying to, you know, sell and market the World Cup, not necessarily as a replacement for the Olympics, but to, to be a revenue generator, to try and be a standalone event. And, and as long as you have the, the, the World Cup of hockey in September before the season begins, it's never going to be the same as putting the five rings on it and calling it Olympics. It just mm-hmm. never is. Now, I, I honestly believe that if the NHL decided, you know what, we're going to get away from the Olympics, dealing with the IOC is not easy. Um, let's, let's do the World Cup of Hockey, but let's do it. Let's shut down our season in February, as we would for the Olympics. And now let's take ownership of the World Cup of Hockey. And I realize it doesn't have the five rings, but I, I have to believe that hockey fans all over the world um, would 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 buy into the World Cup of Hockey a lot more if it was happening in mid-season mm. on sort of a, a level playing field for all the countries. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. Who's your cup pick this year, by the way? Do you have one? I mean, everything's been so Man, thrown out you of know whack. Two, two, two answers there. Number one, even when I was working full-time and being the hockey insider, I never, ever made predictions because I had no clue. So whenever I would get a question, I'd say, you, you probably know better than I do. You, anybody's opinion is just an opinion. But now that I'm, I'm more hockey outsider than insider, I, I barely watched an NHL game for October and November when I was fully retired in those two months. I've come back to work here with a vengeance in December and most of January with the, um, with the World Juniors and some draft rankings and some Leaf games that I have to do as part of my contract. Um, so I, I don't really have a sense. It, it seems to me like there's there's no one team that is is absolutely dominant. I mean, Tampa seems to be soldiering on, in spite of the fact they had to turn over a significant part of their roster because of salary cap considerations. Um, they're never a bad pick, uh, but um, I don't know if we could ever envision a team winning three cups in a row in a in a, uh, a salary cap world. But yeah. Tampa would certainly have that opportunity, but. I mean, when, you, when you're looking at and seeing the, the Rangers with like the 700 win percentage or whatever it is, the Leafs with a big win percentage, you know, but I look at teams like Colorado and some of the other ones that everybody's favorite pick at the beginning of the year because they've got McCarr, they've got McKinnon, they've got Landeskog, they've got Ranton, they've got so many good players, you know, is that a team whose time is arriving? So short answer is I don't know, especially now that I'm more hockey outsider than insider. I'm uh, I'm desperate to see McDavid and Drysaddle go on a heater because I, I threw a few bucks at uh, 28 to 1 on the Oilers at the beginning of the year, so I'd love to see it, but I, I think you and I both know they've got their work cut out for them, and maybe Kenny Holland's got a deal or two to pull if Edmonton's going to be a serious contender, maybe between the pipes as well. Uh, you're, you're, you're coming to us right now for, for people that are listening to this on the podcast, they won't be able to see it, but you're sitting in your vehicle right now. Uh, where are you? Are, 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 have you, you're going to be, I'm assuming obviously you're doing the world juniors. Are you in, are you in Alberta right now or no? No, not yet. I'm, uh, I'm still home. I'm coming out to Edmonton Christmas day. Okay. Um, but I've got two pre-tournament games to do in studio at TSN today. Mm. Um, 2 PM Eastern. Uh, we've got Finland, USA. And 7 p.m. Eastern, um, obviously five Mountain Time for you guys. We've got Canada, Russia, so those should be really fun because, again, usually the, the trying to talk and handicap this tournament, you do it based on what you see from these teams, the identity that they forge in three pre-tournament games. Canada was supposed to play Switzerland. Um, they were supposed to play Sweden and Russia, 
three games. Now they got one game against Russia tonight. So we'll start to get a handle on what they're all about. But um, I'm actually in uh, Whitby, well, Brooklyn, the north end of Whitby. Uh, I live up on Balsam Lake. I just dropped my wife off at her sister's place. Um, I'm in a parking lot around the corner. I'm headed into TSN. Uh, well, I've got to go get a COVID test first in order to uh, to uh, to get to Edmonton and yeah. get admitted to uh, my employment. i got to get a COVID test uh, done here in the next hour or so. Then I'm off to studio, and we'll get Finland, USA, Canada, Russia. And then uh, tomorrow, I'll go visit my grandkids and uh, check into a hotel in uh, Whitby and then head to the airport on Christmas Day. So I very glamorous it. life I lead. Well, I mean, it's awesome. that I mean, you've got some balance there. Obviously, travel on Christmas Day, probably not ideal for anybody. But, but my family is among the literally millions of families that have spent Boxing Day with you and James Duthie and, and the crew uh, through many, many yeah, World Junior Hockey Tournaments. It's an incredible tradition. It's amazing to have it in Canada. It's going to feel a little bit different right now as it stands right now. And of course, this is December 23rd. As it stands right now, three days away from Canada's opener on Boxing Day, the arena, Rogers Place, will be at 50% capacity. Uh, remains to be seen how that's going to play out. Things could obviously change. So it won't have that. I mean, I'm sure that there will be people excited to be there, but it won't be the 18,000 sold out barn burning roof raising type of no. party you'd usually get in Canada, but still a very special tournament um do you have any pre-tournament favorites obviously canada puts in a strong entry but it seems to me that parody has been more and more evident in recent years bob yeah you know what it's it's there's five teams that every world junior is exactly the same in that there's five teams that can win it all canada united states russia finland sweden Mm -hmm. any one of those five teams could win the gold medal and you go not really surprised um canada on home ice is always no worse than a co-favorite uh, the, the Russians are very strong this year on paper anyways. You, you, you try to look at uh, a team and figure out what, the, you know, when, when the 19-year-olds, uh, the last year of eligibility guys on the Russian team were at the under-18s, they won. When they were at the under-17s, they won. That cohort of Russian kids has been at or near the top of their age group. Now, you, you're mixing three, four cohorts in terms of age and it gets a little harder to handicap and, and what have you. But the, the Russians should be a formidable opponent. Um, and the, the, this game tonight is interesting because you've got 16-year-old Connor Bedard playing against 16-year-old Matt Bay-Michkov, um, arguably two of the very top guys for the 2023 National Hockey League draft. So the, 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 the Team Canada-Russia World Junior favorite storyline as a subplot in terms of this 2023 draft, which is, which is fascinating, but you know, the Americans are trying to repeat one of the interesting stats that I, that I saw was that over the last nine years, Canada's won three gold medals. The Americans have won three gold medals and the Finns have won three gold medals. The Finns never sleep on the Finns. It's remarkable because of the, of the five hockey superpowers, Canada, the U S Russia, Sweden, and Finland, the Finns are by far the smallest country in terms of number of registered hockey players, number of covered rinks. What they've done in this last nine-year stretch, having the same number of gold medals as Canada and the United States, is absolutely remarkable. And before you say, well, how can the Russians be a favorite if they haven't even won a gold medal in the last nine years? I think they've been in five, maybe six gold medal games over that nine years. They always manage to find a way to lose in the gold medal game, but they're almost always there. So... Um, 
it's it's going to be a great tournament. I'm really looking forward to it. Good stuff. Well, well, whether it's at the rink or on the TV, Bob, I guarantee we'll see you on Boxing Day. Uh, congratulations on the Bobby Margarita venture. Absolutely love it. It's great to connect with you again. Thanks for your time, pal. Awesome. Thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to get out to Edmonton. Yeah, you got it. That's the original hockey insider, Bobby Margarita, Bob McKenzie. Good stuff. I like that. I was trying to figure out the whole time. I felt like it might be a little bit rude to ask him. I was trying to figure out what what's he driving. Yeah. <laughs> Were you trying to figure out the same thing? Looks pretty cush. Yeah, Bob's done all right for himself. And I was like, it, my my guess is a my guess is a Benz SUV, but I'm not sure. It had that nice tan leather. It had the double sunroof, mm-hmm. which was kind of. I was trying to figure that one out. I bet you there's a real talker that drives the same vehicle that would be able to hook us up in the live chat and let us know what what their speculation is what he was driving. What I want to know. Is how's that margarita? Uh, yeah, Ryan. I see Ryan Bolin here on the chat. He's going. Jesper, are you drinking one right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm drinking one right now. It's pretty good. You know what? I would love to do. Uh, I just had to remind myself. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I would love to do is pour it over some ice, some rocks. You know, margarita on the rocks, classic, obviously, but just out of the can. Pretty darn solid. It's Are chilled. You, so it's chilled. Yeah. Thanks, Hoyles. I, we should say behind the scenes, the magic happens behind the scenes. We did not have this can as a prop sitting in front of me, ready to grab an hour ahead of showtime. Uh, oh, you, no. you took it right out of the Real Talk beer fridge with just seconds to go before the interview. So it was uh, perfectly chilled, as my buddy, the K-Man, would say. I've been chilling that all night. Sam, are you a... Uh, that joke's going to make about six people laugh, uh, but they're going to love it. Trust me. Are you a margarita guy, Sam? Oh, yeah. Are you, are you, a, amazing. Are you a blended or like on the rocks? I, li- I like, I mean, I'll, I'll take them both ways, but I like a rocks margarita. Yeah. Yeah. yeah rocks, same nice salt rim. I make a mean margarita. You do? And then if you're, and, and then if you're lazy, and I'll only say this, if you're lazy in the summer, you still want something that, that gives you that, that, uh, that nice agave tequila taste and uh, still is just sort of light and refreshing. Um, just a tequila soda with a bit of lime is a very smooth, nice, light summer beverage. Sam, you have hit the nail on the head. My trainer, Graham Duty, who is the most fit man in Edmonton. He's the, fi- he's the 15th ranked competitive rower in the world currently, and he's in his 40s. The guy is like, I just show up and I'm just like, just show me the way, Graham. <laughs> just show me the way. The disappointing thing about it, it turns out it's actually commitment, hard work, dedication, eating right, right, right. exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the things that I've uh, unfortunately am unable to do. Um, <laughs> but Graham told me once that he said tequila soda. He said, if you're going to have a drink, tequila soda is one of the cleanest you know, we're talking alcoholic beverages, obviously, is one of the cleanest drinks you can have with regards to sort of like the health side of things. It's not like a rum and coke. Yeah, it's but just like having, sp- tablespoonfuls of sugar. If you're having a drink. But it's, Hoyles, here's where it becomes relevant. If you're having 19 drinks, oh, okay, fair, fair, fair. you know, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, or am I? But if you're if you're if your beverage is like 80 calories and is uh, and people are expecting us to go into like an ad read right now, but we're not going to. Um, but and then soda water, not tonic. I was blown away to find out tonic has as much or even more sugar than Coca-Cola. Right? It doesn't taste like it. It's yeah. why it doesn't taste like it at all. Ugh. Right. I was drinking gin tonics for like years until someone was like, what are you doing drinking tonic? And I was like, what? Uh, soda. So you kind of keep hydrated. You know, it's, it's a little bit then just like, you know, you, you drink like, you know, my, my drink back when I was in the the bartending and serving days at Earl's down in Calgary, double jack diet. I had it like on an IV double jack diet. And then you wake up in the morning, you're just like. In the morning, you know what I mean? Like mix into soda water is what I'm saying. Okay. I have the exclusive from Bob. 
Okay, from Mackenzie. Yeah, from Bobby Margarita. What is it? Genesis GV80. Oh, he got back to you. He heard us. He heard yeah. me saying that. A Genesis GV80. And then he wrote Tiger Woods SUV rollover. Oh, look, wow. That's what up. Well, and so what Bob is, is suggesting to us is that it's probably pretty highly rated on the safety side. Okay, I'm calling it up on my screen here, Sam. The Genesis GV. This is a sick whip, as they would say. Look at this truck. Look at look at the grill. On look it. at the grill on that thing. I'll be honest. I don't know a lot about the Genesis brand, but when I have seen them out and about, I'm like, oh, they're kind of head turners in a way. You know, okay, Bobby Margarita. He, I, I, I was, I wonder where Genesis is. Where's Genesis? Should we learn this on the fly? This is great radio. People are going to really love this. <laughs> People, oh, great! Now he's go- he's like live googling oh, on wow, the. Wow, is he googling it? Uh, Genesis Motors Canada. That doesn't mean it's manufactured here. Genesis, where are they made? Where are uh, where made Genesis vehicles? Where made South Korea? Oh, oh they're a division of the Hyundai Motor gonna, Group. Yeah, I was going to say they're Hyundai's luxury line. You already knew that. Yeah. Sam's just Sam's just like waiting you can't for me stump to. Sam. Well, they're like you know how like Toyota has Lexus and and yeah. Honda has Acura. Hyundai yeah. has Genesis. Hyundai has, but I thought the Hyundai Genesis was a vehicle. I think they split. Ah, so they took the Genesis brand and then that turned into yeah. a luxury brand, which I guess for all intents and purposes fooled me and made me think it was a Benzo. So there you go. That's a shout. That's a nice looking vehicle. I've always thought that. Uh, this is not this is again not not a, not a commercial not an ad this is just you know small talk chit chat I've always thought that for for the major auto manufacturer that Honda is that Acura kind of surprised Acuras are beautiful vehicles are great vehicles don't get me wrong but the highest end Acura doesn't come anywhere close to st- like there's certain big automakers and their luxury brands are not like luxury do you know what i'm saying like honda doesn't have or acura doesn't have like a hundred and forty thousand dollar sedan they don't so you you've got like you kind of your you've got like mercedes right and there's that kind of relationship to chrysler i'm not sure if the waters are muddy or how that actually works daimler benz and all that stuff i'm probably way behind on the dynamic and but then you've got like your acura your lexus all that and it's not as much, like there's different levels honda's never really pushed one out that was like uber luxury there's luxury and then there's love you know what i mean you know what i mean like acura is beautiful my parents drive an acura it's beautiful it's a beautiful vehicle but it's you can't get it i don't think you can get an acura that's like 150 grand except for like they have their sports cars the acura i think there was like the rx8 sam or whatever it's called yeah that's actually where i was gonna go with this it's like and i mean i'm i'm out of my element here so i'm speculating but i yeah. think that you know honda like if you think about honda as a as a manufacturer like they're all about precision performance like pushing performance performance specs to the next level that's why they're so big on racing circuits right yeah. and so i feel like when you get into the high end of acuras like there it's less the bells and whistles of luxury and it's more the performance sport yeah. aspect that I you're was, paying for and by the way i totally blew it the rx8 is mazda obviously but i was i was just trying to think what's that like I'm, I'm getting confused now audi audi has that r8 which is like ridiculous it's so sexy and then i did not know that acura is actually the nsx is back out right now i didn't know that so that's kind of cool so accurate yeah you're right sports performance absolutely but i I would love to know i mean these big decisions because you look at automakers they've talked about what you know ford and dodge and gm are sinking into research on their new ev pickups Mm. and it's like billions of dollars as it should be you know and so and it's i mean it's 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 exciting it's amazing it's going to see what happens you know interesting to see what happens when in the ev pickup market the electric pickup market but if you make a i mean and i don't know anything about the industry i'm, I'm speculating but if you make a wrong move 
on researching or developing, let alone rolling out a new big, bold initiative as an automaker and it flops. I mean, you're, you're talking. I mean, this is the type of thing. Shareholders, market share, reputation, all those kind of things. I mean, the stakes are enormous. There's not a lot of room for misstep, I don't think. Mm. Uh, anyway, fascinating stuff. Hey, listen, speaking of Dodge, why don't I give a big shout out to our friends at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. A limited time offer right now ending January 3rd. They've got these the 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokees. You can save up to 6,900 total discounts. This is what I'm driving right now. The 2021 Grand Cherokee. Absolutely love it. Uh, it's got this dial right by the gear shifter, and you can switch it into snow mode. And yeah, it's fantastic. And I'm not going to say it drives itself because, it, you know, you still got to pay attention. But it's like, you know, I got we, we had parents in law. I've got my little six year old in the back family. Uh, what's more important to you than family? Nothing. Road conditions. Dodgy, sketchy, to say the least. The Grand Cherokee in snow mode. All good. The Jeep brand has been trusted since 1941. I picked mine up at St. Albert Dodge. Of course, St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge, they work together to ensure that you have double the inventory at your fingertips. You can check out their inventory online right now uh, via the Sponsors tab on our website. A big shout out to every single one of you that's, whether you want to call it a New Year's resolution or not, maybe you're turning over a new leaf, maybe you just have a plan for January, February. You want to better yourself. You want to learn a little bit more. Maybe you want to get a new career uh, accreditation. Kind of reinvent yourself in time for a new look job market. Why not start at Canada's online university, Athabasca University? It gives you world-class accredited online programs. uh, But here's the thing. You can learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You want to write off two weeks over the holidays? You don't want to crack a book? No problem. You want to hit the ground running? Jan, Feb, you got 40 hours a week you can dedicate to it? Perfect. You can learn more at AthabascaU.ca. Our friends at Eden Landscaping, I mean, speaking of January, February, perfect time to reach out to Mike and his team at Eden to get the ball rolling as they bring your outdoor space to life. You want it ready for June? You want to make sure that in July, your kids are going to be out on that new play structure. You've got that pergola over your outdoor cook station. I mean, you can envision it now, but how do you make it happen? It all starts with a visit to landscapeedmonton.ca. And of course, as the holidays approach, who has not yet lined up their dessert plan? If this is you, we encourage you to visit the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. They've got their holiday log cakes on for half price. If you mention Real Talk, always a fan favorite, obviously. Irresistible Fudge and Crunch Center, surrounded by vanilla and chocolate soft serve, decorated with your favorite holiday design. Plus, at the Dairy Queens of Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Roads, they're selling their DQ bucks in support to the Stollery Children's Hospital. $5 donation to the hospital gets you $5 to spend at DQ. It's a win-win at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton in Sherwood Park. Well, we've got uh, an exciting morning coming up tomorrow. Uh, We wanted to remind everybody that we're going to be gathering together with our Patreon supporters. We're so grateful uh, for everybody that makes a contribution to the show every month. In exchange, we want to show you a little love, and so we send you the top line report every Monday. That's the insider's look at the results of our question of the week presented by our friends at Y Station. Of course, thanks to our friends at Yag Coffee Club. Also, one Patreon supporter is awarded with a, a free pound of coffee and some other goodies 
studies every single month. And once a year, our last show typically of the calendar year, we present our Real Talk Christmas party. And that's going to be tomorrow over Zoom. So if you do support us on Patreon, make sure you check your email or you can just go to the homepage for the Real Talk Patreon and you'll find the Zoom link there. Hoyles, we're still kind of figuring out that there's going to be a special guest that's going to be joining. Should we just say who the special guest is? I think it's more fun. My wife, Carrie, is going to be joining me. So wasn't it guests? Yeah, they're, yeah. Hoyles, Carrie and Junebug are going to join me. Mm. Carrie's due in June. Thank you for saying that. I just got like, oh, like I'm like still like it's like sort of still hitting me in waves that we're going to have another member of the it's family. It's a twofer. It it's is a twofer. A, it is a twofer, and it's, it's not Tuesday. Or we could really like two for Tuesday. Carrie would just roll her eyes and be like, oh my gosh. She always says she's always always at home. She's always like, why are you yelling? I'm like, I'm not yelling. This is this is my enthusiastic voice. She's like, why are you doing the broadcast voice? It's not my broadcast voice. It's just my voice. But she's a broadcaster, so it kind of complicates things because she knows what she's talking about. So Carrie's going to join us, and, and we'll talk about, of course, our new arrival and how excited we are about that. And, and I know that she's probably going to share some of her holiday tips and tricks. She's a lifestylist at CarrieSkelton.com, and so um, I'm looking forward to that. Plus, we are putting together, uh, and we've not yet shared the questions that we're working on, so I'm wondering if you and I are trying to stump one another and certainly stump Sam, which is going to be our new promotion starting in January unofficially, <laughs> but uh, trivia questions. And we're going to have some cool prizes up for grabs, including some real talk swag. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to basically go like deep cuts and uh, Easter eggs from, you know, the last year and a bit of yeah. real talk. Like, do you know if you're, if you're a Patreoner, I feel like, you're you're dialed into the real talk. Yeah, we're going to check your knowledge and, and yeah. see where you're at. Uh, speaking of our question of the week, we've asked you to participate in your in your very own year in review. Um, we've kept the question of the week. You'll notice we're we're dialing it in just a little bit, tightening it up just a little bit. We want to make sure that you can pop in there for like two minutes and quickly share your thoughts with us, share your answers. If you want to spend more time, that's great. There's a lot of fill in the blank kind of stuff if you so choose. Uh, we want to gauge where you are at with regards to the stories that resonated with you, some of the issues that that certainly jump out at you or will stick with you and and some of the things that you want to see people speaking more about which is obviously always very useful as we continue uh, the show into 2022 and look to put together some pretty kick-ass shows for the first week of january sam speaking of families and family photos you had a couple pretty special photos of your furry gal of sweet sophie on a brand new addition to the home. You want to tell us about this? So, so Sophie got a little uh, little early Christmas present from, from my parents, and uh, it is a dog bed. And it is a dog bed that is packable and easy to move around with you, and it's good to take camping. And we laid it out, and she wouldn't get off it. Like, like literally, we were trying to roll this thing up, and she just was, like, clinging to, the, like, the last square foot of it on the floor. So she just loves it. Yes. And, and where... Might you buy one of these wonderful dog beds? I don't know, Sam. Where would you find a wonderful, comfortable, convenient, affordable, quality dog bed? At Breathe Outdoors. You don't Not say. just for humans. <laughs> Not just for humans. How cool is that? You know, we got a beautiful dog bed a while back. Dogs hate it. The dogs can't stand it. Seriously, they won't go near it. It's actually outside right now because I'm just like, I don't know what to do with it. This, Sam, is good news for everybody. And you've still got time to pick one up. You can check them out in-store or online at breatheoutdoors.ca. Don't forget they have their winter adventure sale on right now. 40% off some items. And of course, if you spend a minimum of $30 and you're in-store at the till, you let them know that you heard about them on Real Talk and they'll hook you up with a ceramic mug. I saw somebody yesterday. Was it Sharon or someone else? I wanted to remember the name. Dang it! 
It's these Bobby Margaritas. Somebody said I went to Breathe Outdoors. They said I went in, bought a pair of boots, mentioned Real Talk, walked out with my ceramic mug. They were like, yeah, it's a thing. Pretty cool thing you got going on there at Breathe Outdoors. I just saw you. You were trying to, like, stay quiet. You were trying not to, like, burst out laughing. What's going on? Or are you just having so much fun? Just, this is just a wild time. You just love working here so much. So much. All right. So much. All right. Hey, let me remind you about the team. <laughs> that sounded a little sarcastic. Hoyles, I was being I'm, sarcastic, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Honest. I love it here. I love you, it. I love you, it. You're trying that. to make my heart hurt? You're trying to make... Oh, I love these guys. Our friends at Local Ace. Speaking of people I love, I love this family-owned business at Local Ace. 25 years they've been operating. You know what, though? There's a lot of bullshit when it comes to advertising and companies and like, this is what we care about. And then you're like, no, you don't. I spent seven hours on hold with you. You don't care. The team at Local Waste cares so much so that when they send me talking points, when they say, here's what you can mention, they're like, mention our names. They're like, when people call us in Edmonton at 780-936-8592, or if you're calling us for service in Saskatchewan via their Regina office at 306-992-2913, they're like, tell them to ask for Mikkel. Tell them to ask for Lauren. Tell them to ask for Chris. Like, they want you to know their first names. They literally have the word integrity framed on the wall in their head office. I have an... Uh, no, it's not my announcement. Not my announcement. Not going to make it. Let me just say that there's exciting news coming up in 2022 with the team at Local Waste. May have just dodged a bullet there. I think that there are sort of like, this is like a relatively big business and there might be some implications yeah. to what I might say. So I'll just People keep that on one to it. myself. Yeah. Um, this is a time if you have kids in the house uh, to tell them to, to go hit up their iPads, to put on the headphones, to go to the other room. Maybe you put on your headphones. Maybe you go for a little walk. This is going to be the most profane edition of Trash Talk that we've probably ever heard. Real Talkers, you were riled up. These are all real emails that we've received to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And on the last show of every week, courtesy of our friends at Local Waste, we present a little something we call Trash Talk. Yeah, that's right. And this one, this first one comes in from Ronnie. Ronnie was paying attention to the debate on whether or not Alberta should leave Canada. And he wonders, hey, Jesperson, where did you find that guest arguing for Alberta separation in the Alberta Badlands with all the other fossils? Never invite him back. That was a blood-boiling, annoying interview from an angry old man resolved to yell at clouds. That from Ronnie. All right, Ronnie, this one from Linda. Linda says, I'm going to go there, Jespo. I've never emailed you. I've never chatted on your YouTube page about this, but as I'm getting my courage together to hit up the grocery store, hoping to avoid maddening crowds and still pick up a turkey that won't give us food poisoning or worse, I can feel my temperature rise in lockstep with my blood pressure and my anger. Linda says, this is about those idiots that walk around in the presence of others with their noses hanging out of their masks. They might be selfish, irresponsible, narcissistic, uneducated, science deniers, or any other number of things, but they can't all be mouth breathers. That from Linda. Good luck finding the turkey, Linda. Might I recommend Friesen Brothers? This one from Karen, who says, no, that's not, that's my name. I'm not a Karen. She says, today my adult daughter, a fully vaccinated, immunocompromised healthcare worker, tested positive for COVID-19. No laughing matter. She says she was in tears when she called me saying, I just ruined.
ruined Christmas. We were all going to rapid test before having a small family gathering with just six of us. And when she woke up after night shift, her throat was sore. A rapid test proved by PCR that she had showed a positive. She has an unvaccinated four-year-old she's got to isolate from. That's the hardest part. I tried to console her. I said we'd have a second Christmas in January. Don't sweat it. But I was feeling down. So I called a friend who proceeded to tell me, it makes me wonder why we even bother to be vaccinated in the first place. Karen says, I lost it. I snapped. And I told her the vaccines will hopefully keep my daughter, who's on immune suppressants, out of the hospital. If somebody tells you about their loved one who has COVID, keep your fucking vaccine opinions to yourself from real Karen. How about this one from Peter? He says, as a matter of fact, matter of fact, pissed off Peter is his name. He says, Jesperson, as a matter of fuck, that would be an amazing t-shirt. Uh, Jesperson, you have a platform where thousands of people listen to you daily. True. Like it or not, what you say can influence people. Sure. I am a victim of that platform. Okay. About seven years ago, when the do you answer your phone or not talk was happening on that radio show you used to do, I fully agreed, and I bought into the nothing can be said over the phone that can't be texted philosophy, but it only took a short two or three years for me to regret this. He says, I've taken exception with your phones without calls poll. Would you buy a smartphone that couldn't accept calls? He says, specifically you telling people that if they're not family members of yours, not to call you. There's major red flags there, Ryan. You're essentially telling your friends you are not there for them in case of emergency, which in my opinion says a lot about your character. He says also, as my buddy Redbag would say, you questioning my character, kid? He says the second red flag is the fact, and this is kind of sad, the first memory you lose of somebody is their voice. You don't want to be like me where you've had two friends call you shortly before their deaths, and I regretfully did not answer. He says, I think back to the one call from my friend almost daily, and I wonder if things might be different if I would have just picked up the phone. I saw my phone vibrating. My exact thought was, why is he calling me? I'll text him in a bit. Okay, obviously a heartbreaker, Peter. He goes back and he says, if there's any advice I can give people, it's don't be selfish and answer the fucking phone. That from pissed off Peter. What about this one from Tanya, who says in the spirit of commercialism, you know, many embrace the time of year. We fill our homes with boxes of things we supposedly need. A word to all of you. Oh, that's a good box. I'm going to save it group. You don't need to save the fucking box. It's a box. It served its purpose as a packaging and shipping vessel. And now it needs to go. You probably have like a closet of a hundred other boxes. That you think, ooh, that's a nice sturdy box. I'll save it just in case. And after 10 boxes, you need to have some real talk with yourself. You're not using those boxes and you never will. So recycle them, damn it. Because, my friends, such box affinity, what a great band name, box affinity, is the slippery slope of boxophilia. And the next thing you know, you're refusing the 10% discount on an item at a store because the box is damaged. You want it to be pristine for some future day. Somebody's going to want to pay you money for your pristine box. Easy, Tanya. Who the hell are these box people? Yeah, maybe there's a tiny box of rabid collectors, collectibles who care about the box. But trust me, when you die, your family's not going to cash in on those pristine boxes. They're going to put on all your hockey cards and Lego on Facebook Market or Kijiji for a dollar and recycle the boxes. Or if they're really cranky, they'll break them down into pulp and fashion your coffin from it. Good Lord, Tanya. I may have just threatened my loved ones with these consequences because they're just a fucking cardboard quadrilateral meant to serve a temporary purpose. Please respect our environment and recycle. That from Tanya. Do not fuck with Tanya. 
And you may have noticed in closing that today I am wearing my T-shirt that I only wear once a year. I dedicate this house to the Griswold family Christmas. One of my favorite T-shirts of all time. And it ties right into this email from Cameron. Cameron says, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the Real Talkers, Ryan, Sarah, and Sam. And he says, I hope that you enjoy my edit of Clark Griswold, the rant from Christmas Vacation. And so here's his email. Hey, says Cameron. Okay, hey. Uh, you know, if, uh, if, if any of you are still looking for any last-minute gift ideas for Alberta, I have one. We'd like Jason Kenny, our premier, uh, right here tonight, as I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there at the legislature with all the other oil execs, and I want him brought right here with a big old ribbon on his head, and I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap... Lion, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed, sack-of-monkey-shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? That from Cameron. Tell us how you really feel. Coming up on tomorrow's Real Talk of Private Party. Party, you can gain access by supporting us on Patreon via our website, ryanjesperson.com. We're taking next week off to hang out with our families to recharge our batteries, and we'll be back live the first Monday after New Year's Day. That'll be January 3rd. Real Talkers, we love you. Thanks for showing up and keeping it real. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.